This is Jennifer Hadley, and this recording is part of the Finding Freedom class series of audios. Finding Freedom is a powerful class offering you tools for transforming your mind so that you align with your divine nature every day in every way. These tools provide the pathway for you to develop the spiritual practices that will lead you to your healing and transformation. Spiritual practice is the ability to choose love in every moment, always remembering the oneness of all life. We're moving out of the old way of paying lip service to spirit, and instead we're in service to the heart. We're cultivating a holy relationship with all of life. I invite you to set the intention now to listen wholeheartedly, committing to being the love and seeing the love in all areas of your life. Together, we partner up with the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit do the heavy lifting. Thank you so much for saying yes to being free. Hey there, everybody. Ah, finding freedom. Week six. What a blessing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The folks in the fa- in the Facebook group are on fire. <laughs> it's beautiful. So much energy unfolding, revealing itself as love in each one of us. I find that there's a tremendous amount of expansion happening for the Masterful Living students as well. It's a time of our rising. I'm feeling it in my heart and noticing it in my mind as well, and I feel that we are profoundly blessed to be able to gather together in this way for the holy purpose of awakening to the truth, awakening to our divinity and the divinity of all life. So allow us to begin. So let us begin with that prayer. Taking that breath of love and gratitude, we are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to a full realization of the truth that sets us free. We're choosing freedom. We're choosing to actively partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and remember our true identity is love. It is peace. It is harmony. It is wisdom and clarity. It is freedom creativity, abundance, and prosperity. And we are gratefully accepting the truth. Taking this holy breath of love and gratitude, we invoke divine grace into our awareness and we allow ourselves to remember our own holiness. We are willing to remember that we are already as holy as holy can be. So we're accepting that and we're releasing any identification with a small self, a selfish self. We're accepting our divinity and we're sharing the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully allow it to be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. 
We are blessed. We are so blessed. So I am going to start us off with a reminder that the more you listen, the more you will hear. And for instance, I in the Masterful Living class, I encourage students to go back to the beginning of the year and listen to everything again. And people who do that always tell me, oh my God, there was so much that I didn't hear in those early classes that now I hear it crystal clear. And the reason is, is because it's like this. Imagine that your consciousness is like a window, a clear glass window that has obscurations. It has dirt, grit, dust, smog, uh, some different kinds of films and filters and all kinds of things that obscure your ability to see clearly through the glass. The glass itself is clear, but there are coatings and coverings on it that make it difficult to see through the glass. Yet the glass is still clear. So it's like our consciousness, our perfection and our wholeness is there. However, when we have false beliefs, remember all beliefs are false, when we have these beliefs and patterns of shame and blame and negativity, when we have thoughts that we believe are true about judgments, opinions, thoughts of separation, thoughts of lack, thoughts of limitation, thoughts of criticism, blame and shame, regret and resentment, thoughts of revenge and jealousy, All of those are like dirt, the muck and mire of the journey that are like obscurations on that clear window, that clear pane of glass. So the glass is still clear, but there seem to be these things that are covering up the clarity. So the more you listen, the more you hear. As you are doing this work of letting go the attachments to the opinions and the judgments and the belief systems, the belief patterns, the negative patterns, the the habitual patterns, then you have more and more clarity so you can actually perceive more clearly what the actual truth is. And this is what makes finding freedom so exciting because it's the whole program is designed to assist people in recognizing beyond a shadow of a doubt that opinions and judgments are the thing that keeps all your happiness, your joy, your good, your healing, your health, your wholeness, your abundance, your prosperity, everything that you would love to experience keeps it all at bay. And so you might have prosperity, you might have health, but 
we don't experience the fullness of it as long as we're walking around energizing thoughts of lack and limitation. That's what judgments are. So the more you listen, the more you will hear. Because the more you listen, the more you do the work, the more you clear away all those obscurations and then you have the ability to more clearly perceive the truth. And then when you focus on the truth with a sincerity of heart and with a great willingness to be loving, to be grateful, when being loving and being grateful being compassionate, when these are your spiritual practices all day long, then the truth just continues to open like a flower, open like a a rose blooming in your mind. And it literally becomes ever more beautiful and it seems to have an ever more beautiful aroma and the magnificence continues to reveal itself in ever greater glory. So this is the journey for each and every one of us. So that's why I do encourage you to go back and re-listen to the classes. And it's one of the reasons why so many people repeat the Finding Freedom again and again and again. And over the years, uh, I have noticed that people, even in Masterful Living, will repeat Finding Freedom because they just want to go back to those basics again and again to see if they can hear one more thing, have another clear perception. So that's one of the beauties is that you have the Finding Freedom classes to go back to again and again and again. So let's discuss here what is the cause of fear. Because most people, what they'd like to do is get freedom from fear. Freedom from worry and doubt and all the things that make us feel afraid. So this is the perception in our human journey is that the things of this world are what make us feel afraid. So we're afraid of other people's opinions. We're afraid that we're not good enough. We're afraid that something's wrong with us. We're afraid that we don't have enough money. If we have a lot of money, we might be afraid that people only love us for our money. Uh, We're afraid that our body is not beautiful enough. We're afraid that we are not going to be able to heal the body. We're afraid that we're going to lose our job. We're We're afraid that we're going to lose our spouse or that we'll never have a spouse. We're afraid so often because of what we think are external circumstances. And yet, that's never true. It's never, ever true. But that is the perception that we have when we are believing things that aren't true. So one of the biggest lies that we believe is that we are afraid or we are unhappy because of the circumstances of our life. And the other side of that coin or 
part of that same coin is that we are thinking that our happiness depends on whether or not people love us and whether or not our body is attractive in our mind or our health is a certain way. Our happiness depends on whether or not we have money, health, love, all of these things. And yet, these are not the causes of happiness. They're, they can be the seemingly be the cause of momentary happiness, but lasting happiness, which is true joy, which is our true nature, comes from knowing our true identity. And the only thing that obscures the knowing of our true identity is when we cling to opinions and judgments. So, our judgments are actually the cause of all our fear. Because when we energize a judgment, and a judgment really is saying this is good and this is bad, this is right and this is wrong, and I know, I am able to know these things. When we believe that, and yet we can't see through all directions of time and space, and yet we all know that there are many examples during the course of a day when we think we're right and we think we know something, and we're misinformed, and we're not perceiving correctly, and our judgments and opinions are getting in the way, and we're making ourselves miserable. When we know that about ourselves, and yet we also give ourselves this grandiose feeling of, I'm right and they're wrong, uh, then on a fundamental level, we are going to feel afraid because we're basically saying two opposites are true. I have the ability to know who's good and who's bad, and yet so often I'm wrong. I know what's right and wrong, and yet so often I'm wrong. It's crazy-making, and that is the source of all the fear. Because all the judgments do is they hold in place in our mind this sense of separation from love, from joy, from freedom, from happiness, from God, from all that is good, from the truth that sets us free. So when we energize judgments of any kind whatsoever, the effect always has to be that we will feel afraid. Now, we might feel afraid in the sense of feeling some low-level anxiety. We might feel afraid in the sense of feeling frustrated or irritated. We might feel afraid in terms of feeling panic. So there's many shades. There's worry, there's guilt, all kinds of expressions of fear. But whenever we give ourselves permission to judge, we're going to feel afraid every single time. So the cause of all fear is our choosing to give ourselves permission to invest in judgments, beliefs, opinions 
Because all of those things are not the truth that sets us free. And we as spiritual students cannot feel comfortable choosing to deny the truth in favor of our own opinions and judgments. So this is why I love the Course in Miracles teaching that says, I don't know what anything is for. I don't know what anything is for. If I'm upset, I go right to, I'm never upset for the reason I think. I don't know what anything is for. But I'd like to. I'd like to know what it's for. So I lay my judgments down. I mentally make an offering of them to the higher Holy Spirit self. All judgments create suffering because all judgments are thoughts of lack and limitation. In truth, we are all unlimited, eternal, infinite beings. The kingdom has already been given to us. We have full access to unlimited prosperity. But we can't experience it until that our consciousness, like that pane of glass, is clear. This is why what I teach is pay attention to what is your motivation. If your motivation is anything less than knowing the truth that sets you free, cultivating a pristine awareness, waking up, if your motivation is anything else, it's probably something that you'd like to accomplish in this world. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just going to delay your waking up. And it's going to continue some kind of suffering. Because when we're waking up, everything is added unto us. So anything that we think we'd like to accomplish or experience in this world, we can experience magnificence, unlimited prosperity through waking up. Why would we settle for anything less? So this is why, to me, it's about getting clear that your motivation is that aspiration to wake up. And then to really recognize that a spiritual practice of purification, clarification, is the one that's going to assist you in that waking up in clearing all those false beliefs and obscurations from that clear awareness, that pristine awareness. Because we're already that awakened being. It's about remembering that and releasing all attachment to the idea that we're not that. That is our spiritual journey. So having a spiritual practice and path of cultivating the pristine awareness by purification and elimination of the beliefs in order to affirm and know and clearly remember the truth that sets us free. Now, as you well know, what I teach 
is what worked for me, and that is recognizing when I have a judgment because I'm feeling uncomfortable. I am not feeling at peace. Therefore, I must be affirming some judgment, consciously or unconsciously. I must have an attachment to a belief that's not true. The Buddhists talk about cravings and aversions, two kinds of attachments. So aversions are, I hate that, I can't stand that, get that away from me. It's still a form of attachment. What is the attachment to? It's the attachment to your opinion, your belief, your judgment about the thing you have an aversion to. The other kind of attachment is a craving. I need that. I want that. I have to have it. I love that. It's precious to me. I value it. So that can be an attachment to an opinion or a judgment. The cravings that are... Cravings are always an attachment. Cravings like that. I need it. I want it. I've got to have it. The only, I think, exception really is that there there is a, a yearning that we have to know ourselves as God. And that's like a divine impetus that can feel like a very deep yearning, could feel like a craving. So... For me, I have found that whenever I feel irritated or off balance in some way, I'm believing something that's not true, and that is the divine alarm clock going off, which reminds me to replace the false belief, the opinion, the judgment, with the truth that sets me free. Now, sometimes I don't even know what that false belief might be but I can still make an offering of the opinion or the judgment. And I like, I really like that terminology of calling it an offering. And so I'll say, I place it on the holy altar fire of divine love. So what does that really mean? It really means that I'm simply giving it to my higher self. I'm replacing whatever it is that belief, that judgment, that opinion, that attachment, whatever it is, even if I can't identify it, doesn't matter, I'm giving it. And the root cause of it to my higher self for healing. And I say to the higher self, please take it out of my mind so I never think it again. And please let anyone else who has this thought be healed as well. That consistent surrendering, offering, the attachment has been so deeply healing for me. And what I've learned is that if I make the offering, if I surrender the attachment 
but I'm not sincere. I Instead of being sincere about really this thought, this belief, this opinion no longer has a judgment, I mean, a, a value to me. If I'm sincere in that, it's gone. It is gone from my awareness because I truly don't need it anymore. It served its purpose and now it's gone. But if it seems like it lingers and it comes back again and again, I keep offering the same thought again and again, it's simply an indication that I'm not yet sincere, that somehow, some way, consciously, unconsciously, there is an attachment to that belief, that opinion, that judgment. So that's why I talk about unhooking the attachment. And how do we unhook that attachment? By recognizing that the belief or the opinion really is not something of value anymore. So for many of us, we have the experience of we might have an attachment to a belief that someone is not worthy of our love. Nope, they're not worthy of my love. They're a jerk. They're an idiot. They're I hate them. I don't like them. They hurt me. They molested me. They robbed me. Whatever it is. And they are no longer worthy of my love. And what happens then is it can look on the surface like, oh, there needs to be forgiveness there. But what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is releasing the judgment. Forgiveness is not just, I forgive you, I forgive them, I forgive it. As you know, working with the forgiveness letter, forgiveness is more than that, it or less than that. It's Forgiveness is really recognizing that the opinions and the judgments that equal the unforgiveness are no longer of value, no longer needed. In other words, I'm not interested in suffering anymore. I'm done. I'm ready for freedom. And the minute that we're sincere about it, then the compulsive going over it again and again and again in our mind, trying to find some detail, trying to reenact our defense, or if if i had been if i had been able to do it differently i would have done this or i would have done that all of that thinking is motivated by opinions and judgments i should have done it differently they shouldn't have been able to do that to me i should have hurt them back i should have defended myself i should have i shouldn't have known better I should have done it somehow, some way differently. They should never have. Should, 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 should. Whenever there's a should, there's a judgment. And when we're sincerely willing to surrender it, to offer it for healing, for lifting off of us, 
then it can be taken from us, but not before. And when we don't forgive, when we hold on to that judgment and opinion, and we have an attachment, a belief that we're right, or that we're wrong, because more often than not, the challenge is when we can't forgive ourselves. When that happens... then we are doomed to repeat the experience in some way. It might just be mentally going over it and over it again. Or we're doomed to repeat it by having the same kind of experience again and again and again, often with greater intensity. And really what's happening then is our soul, our higher self, is assisting us in finally learning that those opinions and judgments, those beliefs, do not serve a path of love, that they are limiting, and they will cause the suffering. But you see, if we don't forgive, if we are clinging to the belief that we know and that we are right, and we do not forgive, we hold those judgments then what we're really saying to the higher self is, you know what? The learning that's encoded into my experience, I'm going to reject it because I believe this experience should never have happened. It was wrong. And I know best. So we're literally blocking the learning that we have written into the script of our life by saying it shouldn't have happened. It was bad. It was wrong. You know, and this can be one of the most difficult things that we ever do in our life because over the years I have talked with people who have been brutally beaten, attacked, physically raped and molested and emotionally tortured, physically tortured, mentally tortured. And how can you not say that that was bad and that was wrong and that should never have happened? And for me, I take this point of view, and that is that I am not yet able to see through all directions of time and space, so I don't know what anything is for. But I do believe in divine order. I do believe in divine justice. And so I'm interested in knowing what things are for rather than pretending that I know. So the things that have happened to me that were painful, where people were cruel or mean to me, I've learned to release all judgment about those. And it's not that I don't have to work with it, because I do. But now what I notice is when new stuff happens, where people are unkind... It doesn't bother me, really, because I see it as an opportunity 
to be compassionate and to be loving. And that's, to me, being truly helpful. And I appreciate that opportunity. I have compassion for people who are unkind. Because I used to be unkind. And it's a way for me to display forgiveness towards myself by being compassionate with others who are behaving in ways that I used to behave. So one thing that everyone notices pretty much in Finding Freedom is that as you go through the curriculum and you're doing the work in the workbook, that old memories of upsets and unforgiveness, judgments, resentments, regrets, jealousies, blame and shame, thoughts of revenge, these things will, in a sense, bubble up to the surface. So when they do, I really strongly encourage you to pay attention and immediately go, oh, what was that? What was that? Flash of a memory? Third grade? Somebody hurt me? What? What What was that? And And look at it. Call upon your higher Holy Spirit self. Say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, life. Thank you, love, for placing this memory where I can look at it and say, oh, yeah, the judgments that I had back then, I don't feel that way anymore. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm surrendering these judgments and opinions right now, making a holy offering of them right now. Please take these thoughts out of my mind, higher self, holy self, Take them out of my mind forever so that I never think them again. I'm interested in my freedom and please share the benefits of my healing and my expansion with everyone because I'm one with them. Anybody else who has these kinds of thoughts, let them experience more freedom too. Imagine if we lived in a world where everyone did that. I think we will. I think we will. Sincerity is the key to our healing. So we don't have to force it and we don't have to pretend we're more sincere than we are because that's not loving and love is the healer. Love is the healer. Now, one of the things that is related to this is what I call your sacred circle. So your sacred circle, there's my membership (laughs) uh, for spiritual counseling via the sacred circle. So four times a month I do a, a spiritual counseling open call and anyone can jump in and ask a question and receive some spiritual counseling. Uh, and uh, there's also the sacred circle exercise that's in your workbook. Your sacred circle. And what I'm inviting you to do is start to is take take and draw a circle and look at who 
in your life is do you count is within your sacred circle and who do you hold in your mind is not worthy of being in your sacred circle because one of the greatest healings we can have is to release the thoughts of separation that we need to hold anyone outside of our sacred circle. So I invite you to do that, the sacred circle inquiry. Who are you keeping outside of your heart? Because it takes tremendous energy and effort to hold anyone outside your loving heart. And the energy and effort that it takes to hold someone outside your loving heart is energy that you don't have to heal your body to heal your relationships, to heal your finances, to experience healing of any kind. And don't you want all your power back? Are you willing to trade a significant portion of your personal power to live the life you truly love to live in order to hold on to a thought that this person is not worthy of your love. So this is why I encourage you to do the other exercise in the workbook, Loving Our Enemies, working with the speech of Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's a powerful one, and I've never had anybody who did it tell me that they didn't get much from it. Everyone... I know who's ever done it has told me that it was profound healing for them. So if you haven't done that yet, I encourage you to do that soon. What we are learning through releasing all these attachments, the judgments, the cravings, the aversions, the addictive compulsive tendencies and temptations that all these negative beliefs are. What we're learning is that the greatest place of freedom, prosperity, safety, harmony, wholeness is to have a loving, compassionate heart, a grateful heart. So love, compassion, and gratitude are our constant spiritual practice. So when we notice that there's a sense of, yeah, I don't like that one, what we can do is open our minds to an awareness that, okay, it seems like I don't like that person and I'd like to keep them outside my loving heart, but let me examine what this is about. Perhaps this person is mirroring to me something I don't like about myself. So, for instance, I used to have an aversion 
to people who were insecure. Why was that? Because I was insecure, but I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear my insecurity. It was so frightening to me that I felt vulnerable, that I pretended all the time that I was invulnerable. So I was always on the attack, always on the offense, because the best defense is a good offense. So I was always out there judging, forcing my opinions, being aggressive so that people would be afraid to attack me. I was like a porcupine. And people who were insecure, I had no... They they terrified me because my own insecurities terrified me. But the feeling was that it was an aversion. I hated it because I hated it in myself. I had no compassion, no love for it, no tenderness in for it myself. And then... I decided to practice having love and compassion for people who felt insecure. And I started to feel love and compassion for myself. And then I healed the cause of my insecurity, which was my being judgmental. Now, obviously, I'm still working at it every day. But I healed the lion's share of it. And so now... I have compassion for myself and for others when there's insecurity. And I know now that all insecurity comes from being judgmental. Because the judger always feels judged, people who are judgmental fear being judged. So I've learned that the greatest place of strength and safety is to be open-hearted, loving, and compassionate. And as long as we're not giving love or extending love in order to get something, we can't really get hurt. That's what I'm figuring out. It's amazing. It's really amazing. Because so many people shut down to love because they don't want to be hurt. But when we're truly open-hearted and compassionate and loving without giving to get, regardless of what goes on, we don't get hurt. It's a different experience. We might feel saddened or disappointed. Ego stuff comes up. We work through it but it's a very different experience. So I am going to pause there and see what questions people have. Star 2 to raise your hand on the phone. And of course you can type in a question as well. Ryan who's in Masterful Living, says uh, regarding listening, the more you listen, the more you hear, he says, 
That is so true. Each time I listen to a class again, I learn more and more, which allows me to go deeper and deeper. Much love to you too, Ryan. And he says, also, I have done the loving your enemies practice many t- multiple times, and each time I get a more profound healing. Awesome practice. I encourage this extremely. <laughs> All right, star two. Anybody on the phone want to ask a question, share, raise your hand? Star two. Okie dokie. All right. We've got someone in Oregon here. I'm going to unmute you. Hey there. Hello. Hi. Hi, this is Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Excuse me. Um, I have a question about beliefs. Um, This is fascinating what you're talking about judgments beliefs and opinions and i'm i'm trying to wrap my mind around not having any beliefs could you talk about that a little bit and you know if you don't have any beliefs how to how does that work <laughs> well the truth is true and so really all beliefs are an obscuration of the truth They cloud our mind from the truth. So, can you think of a belief that you need? A belief that I need. Um, That you might feel is valuable to you. Well, the, the thing I've been learning and working on is changing my unhealthy beliefs to more healthy beliefs. So, like, I'm not good enough. Changing Mm -hmm. that to, yes, I am good enough, which feels better. But now this concept that you're introducing, not having any beliefs at all, so what do I do with that I am good enough belief? Excellent question. So, Jenny, I am good enough. What am I good enough for? Or, I don't know, for for being loved, for... That's it, right, yeah. To be worthy of love, to be worthy of having that which you desire, to be worthy of a life of abundance and joy and prosperity and happiness. So... The truth is, the eternal truth with a capital T, is that you are worthy, I am worthy, and that I am worthy of love, I'm worthy of abundance and prosperity, I'm worthy of joy, I'm worthy of magnificence, creativity, wholeness, harmony, I am worthy of everything that is good. Everything. So that's truth. It's not a belief. It's the truth. So really what you're doing in your beautiful practice there is you're surrendering the belief for the truth. Hmm. Oh, okay. So in the moment of feeling like 
this is a belief or realizing that I have an unhealthy belief and wanting to transform it, it surrendering it and partnering up and then asking for what is the truth. Yes. So that's why I, I beautifully said, so when I have a false belief, I'm not good enough. When I think, oh, I'm not good enough, something's wrong with me, then I am believing something that's not true, which is why it's upsetting to me. So what I'm interested in is making an offering of that, surrendering that, letting it go, releasing it forever, and opening my heart and my mind to the truth that sets me free. And the truth is, I am good enough. So the I am good enough is the truth. What's not true is that I'm not good enough. So I think it's really important for each and every one of us to look at this and start to examine, okay, what are these false beliefs? And that's why it's part of your daily journaling work to look at what are the false beliefs, what are the things that I think are false, and what's true. So you you are completely asking the right questions, Jenny. Great. <laughs> I've been thinking about that for a while because you mentioned that on on a, a few classes ago, and I've been just kind of stirring on it. So that that brings a, a clearer light to it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd also like, if I could just really quick uh, share a success that yeah. I, I had a freak out yesterday and um, was feeling pretty bad even though I had a, a really good insight come up and that, I mean, just what you were talking about, you know, stuff came up and I was being grateful for it but not feeling good about it and I, I did the in case of freak out or meltdown exercises and it was incredible how much better I felt I did every single one and just transformative so thank you awesome awesome thank you so and and how much did it cost you to do that (laughs) it cost you nothing nothing And, and how long did it take you Oh, maybe 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, now, I started feeling better in like five minutes. I kept going and kept going and kept going and felt better and better and better. Yes. So if you hadn't done that, if you were in the old pattern, how long might you have been upset? Oh, probably the rest of the night. Okay. Is it possible that you might have done something that, um, you know, like binged on something or done some self-medicating thing that the next day you would feel guilty or ashamed of? Yeah, I probably would have, you know, gone eaten some ice cream and chocolate or drank a bunch of wine or something mm-hmm. like that and gone to sleep and then woke up in the morning feeling just as bad and then, yeah. There you go. So that's how we really put an end to those cycles. And as you're demonstrating there, in just a few minutes you felt so much better that you wanted to keep feeling even better. And it took you about 20 minutes to eradicate 
that whole impetus to freak out and melt down. And this is what we can learn. But, you know, for all of us, it does take multiple practices to know that it really works. And it's that's why I call Finding Freedom a spiritual boot camp class, because you can go to the gym and work out once, and you're going to experience that. But then if you go to the gym and you work out three times a week for seven weeks, like if you averted a meltdown three times a week for seven weeks, you you would now have the discipline and the awareness to know that you are really choosing a meltdown and a freak out. Like that's, I'm into that if I'm choosing that. Right. Which doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that you're bad. It just means that there's some attachment to feeling bad. And that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's actually going to be what I'm going to share about next. So thank you. Perfect lead in. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. All right. I um I'm I'm going to do the next thing and then uh I've got a couple of questions that people have written in. So I just want to say here that for many people the feeling of upset, the feeling of anxiety, the feeling of worry, the feeling of fear, the feeling of off balance is what feels like normal. And I learned this in my, when I was in my 20s. I was dating a man that I really liked, and he had a very different background from me. So he had grown up in um, a, a situation with parents who were, uh, I guess you could say they were dysfunctional and drug addicted, and he had been a heroin addict, and he um, was sober, and but still had a lot of stuff going on, and we were in our 20s, and he actually said i can't i can't go out with you anymore and i thought what cuz i thought uh we were doing great and i really liked him and i really got that he liked me and i i was i, I said why what what's going on and he said when i'm with you i feel so good i can't stand it I can't stand it. It's actually unbearable to me. Now, that might seem strange, but I have met many people along this journey who they where what the situation that they grew up in was so unloving and so where there was violence, abuse, anger, uh lying and a a constant sense of threat that to be in an environment where it's peaceful and harmonious and people are loving and compassionate is completely unsettling. It does not feel safe because it's so unfamiliar. Because the ego likes what's familiar. 
And so the ego will constantly try to recreate what's familiar. Remember, the ego hates change. Because the ego is always trying to maintain its sense of power through managing, manipulating, controlling the circumstances and situations because that's all the ego has. The world of form. Trying to maintain that. So it's really important in this healing to become aware of what feels like normal. What feels like love to you may not actually be love, which doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, but it does mean that there's something wrong with the thinking, with the belief system. And you can shed the thinking, the belief system, the attachment to the thinking and the belief system. You can get in that gap. You can invoke your own higher Holy Spirit self to do the heavy lifting of the healing and to figure out how to have a feeling. But it does take the willingness to say, I'm not interested in this anymore. So to to start to look at, okay, I am attracted to this which is not healthy because of some kind of belief system that's operating. Whatever that belief system is, I am interested in having it be healed and gone forever. I'm interested in the truth that sets me free. And I am worthy of knowing what wholeness is, knowing what love is, knowing what peace is, knowing what harmony is, knowing what freedom is. Because many of us have no idea what it really is to experience those spiritual qualities. Because we haven't seen them really demonstrated and modeled in our human experience. But our spirit knows. This is why we can experience so much freedom. And we can really step into being masterful by working in the invisible. Which means working in our minds. Getting in the gap getting off the pain train. And it does take practice. But the more you do it, the more you just stop getting on the pain train so you don't have to figure out how to get off it. And the big key is to be loving and compassionate instead of judgmental. Because the more loving and compassionate we are, the more we experience peace and harmony and joy. Because like attracts like. So when we're actively choosing love and compassion, real love, real compassion, then we're going to magnetize to us more opportunities to express love and to express compassion and to affirm that that's truly what we're interested in. And we're going to experience many, many times a day where old decisions, old beliefs, 
old opinions and judgments come into our mind so that we can choose again. And this time, choose compassion, choose love. In the past, maybe we chose resentment, taking offense, being ashamed, blaming, being jealous, feeling guilty. When those old memories come into our mind again, it's that opportunity to choose again. And at family events, holiday times, things like that, that's when those opportunities to choose again are really strongly triggered. I encourage you to go back to the beginning of the class where you had the list of the upsets and you were looking at what percentage of your energy is invested in coping and managing and settling with those upsets. Look at each one of them again. See if you can discern what are the decisions that you made? What are the choices that you made? What are the beliefs that you bought into in those old experiences? Can you release any of those judgments and opinions? Surrender them. Offer them for healing. And that's really what that forgiveness letter tool is for is to help walk you through that so you can just go right through it. You don't have to figure it out and release them forever. That's what true forgiveness is, is really saying that hurt, that upset, the experience. I had the experience in the human realm, but the damage that I think was done is an illusion. Because I am still perfect, whole, and complete. And so is everyone else. This was for my learning. And I'm interested in harvesting that learning and sharing the benefits with everyone. The more we get into the habit of sharing our healing and our expansion with everyone, the more quickly we begin to understand, comprehend, and live in an awareness of the unity and oneness of all life. And since all of our suffering is a result of believing in separation, this is one of the best tools we have for healing that all causes of suffering, remembering and valuing the unity of all life, sharing the benefits with everyone. So, begin to pay attention to when upset feels like normal. When upset feels like normal. All right, we had some questions here written in. And you can raise your hand with a star, too, if you'd like. So, Lee, or Leah, I'm not quite sure, says, 
when I see my reflection in others, what is the most loving thing to do? I find I begin to tell them what I see, and then I get excited, but it feels like I'm blowing their mind. Then I feel bad about that. Hope that's clear for you. Thank you so much for these classes. So, I'm not sure I do understand what your question is. When I see my reflection in others, what is the most loving thing to do? Well, if what you're seeing reflected is beauty and truth, appreciate it. Be grateful. Gratitude, love, compassion, that's our practice. If what you see in mirrored back to you in others is, like I was speaking about before, if what you see is reflected back to you is your own insecurity, your own judgments, compassion, love, and gratitude, that's the practice. Jennifer writes, could you please speak more about the Finding Freedom journal and some of the other exercises we need to do? I've done the release and clear, which is great, Facebook and the Mastery Journal. Well, you know, I don't take a lot of class time to explain all the pieces in the journal because I think they are explained in the the workbook in the journal. And I have made some videos about those pieces. But I'm happy to answer any questions specifically that you have about any of the things in the workbook or the journal. So there's so much in there. I I think I just need a little more specific question, but I'm totally uh, open to explaining anything that you have a question about in the journal. And you can also, or in the workbook, the master, the whole I call the whole thing my mastery journal, and then there's the mastery journal pages as well. So uh, you can also ask me anything in the Facebook group. All right, star two, if you've got a question on the phone. All right. And take a sip of my water here. So, essentially, I think one of the things that's really helpful in terms of having a visual, having a way to understand this. And that is this, that if you had, let's say you had a a candle or a light and you you place that light, that candle, in front of you on a table and then you took a book, like A Course in Miracles or Finding Freedom Mastery Journal, and you place that book between you and the light or the candle on the table. 
So it's blocking your ability to see the light. The light cannot shine through that book because it's too dense. If you could think of that book and each of those individual pages, the hundreds of pages, that each one of those pages is a belief that's obscuring your light shining into this world. The light of your higher Holy Spirit self shining into your heart. And that every time you unhook one of those beliefs by realizing, oh, that's not true. That doesn't serve my life of love. I don't need that anymore. Making a holy offering of that. Surrendering that. Then you literally are thinning out all those many pages in that book so that the clear light of love can shine into your experience in this world. Where is it going to shine? Really, it's going to shine in your mind because that's all that's real. And when there's a sense of upset, frustration, when there's a sense of meltdown, my way of thinking of it is it's like one of the pages in that book is glowing red hot. And the way I describe it is it's like that page, that pattern, that belief is up for healing. And so when there's that sense of irritation, frustration, upset, and the divine alarm clock is going off, it's an opportunity to heal an ancient pattern. An ancient pattern. If you didn't have a strong attachment, you wouldn't have a strong upset. What would you rather do? Medicate the upset, strengthen the pattern, or offer and surrender that pattern forever? Because remember, your sincerity is the key to your healing. So this is why it's so valuable to get in the gap, to be thankful for the divine alarm clock, to have this ever stronger spiritual practice of choosing love, gratitude, and compassion. This is why we can move from when there's a sense of upset Instead of thinking, oh, God, here it comes again, to go, yes, this is my time of healing. How wonderful. I'm activating this. This pattern is activated, which means I can strengthen my healing. This is my healing opportunity. Wouldn't we rather heal then further strengthen that pattern of upset, right? But if we go into denial and self-medication, then what we're literally doing is we're strengthening that pattern. What you resist persists, and it actually strengthens. But when we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we say, oh, there's that pattern again. It's up for healing. We partner up 
then it can be healed. We say, whatever it is, please take these thoughts, these patterns, these beliefs out of my mind so that I never think them again. And if I need to look at it, if I need to examine it, if I need to discover what it's all about in order to permanently heal it and have it removed from my awareness, that's cool. I'll do that. Show it to me now. I've had so much healing that way. It's extraordinary what we can experience and how fast the healing can happen. Absolutely extraordinary. But it does take tremendous willingness. You know, and for many of us, our lifelong pattern has been to self-medicate, has been to run away feeling that we're inadequate to the task. We're overwhelmed by it. You know, how many of us have had someone who was, had a healing practice like this that they were modeling for us? Not many of us. Not many of us had elders or ancestors who were doing this healing work. But that's okay, because you know what? Our model is the I am presence. I am that I am. All these patterns that feel like getting on the pain train. So a pattern might be work feels hard and I don't feel loved and respected at work. Why don't I feel loved and respected at work? Because I'm not loving and respecting myself. So I'm going to work and experiencing an outpicturing of my beliefs. I feel insecure. I feel like I might get fired. I feel like they don't appreciate me. I'm giving to get, trying to get them to like me, but it's not working because giving to get never works. Not, doesn't, you know, you might have some momentary sense of, oh, they're going to agree to be nice to me because I'm giving them something, but I know it's not real. So then we come home from overgiving and overworking and energizing false beliefs and judgments and opinions all day long, and we feel exhausted and worn out. And we don't feel authentic. We haven't been loving. We haven't been grateful. We haven't been compassionate. So we feel exhausted and tired and disconnected. And that feels awful. So I'm going to disconnect from feeling disconnected and see if I can find some way to dampen that feeling So now I'm going to work out until I'm exhausted or I get a high of endorphins or I'm going to zone out watching TV or zone out cleaning the house or zone out uh, drinking, eating, smoking, whatever it might be. I'm going to zone out talking on the phone with my friends, surfing the Internet, Internet porn, all of these different things. Even studying spiritual books, having spiritual conversations. 
So what we're doing in our Finding Freedom class is we're learning how to become truly masterful. So we're simply giving ourselves permission to actually feel how we feel and start to really look at what we're thinking. And the really amazing, incredible thing is, is when we start invoking the Holy Self, when we start saying, okay, this does not serve me anymore. I'm turning it over. And and doing what Jenny was talking about, where doing the what it says in the workbook, where uh, if you're melting down, you're freaking out, you follow these steps. These are acts of love and compassion. These are acts of kindness. The more loving and kind and compassionate we are to ourselves or anyone else, and it really doesn't matter because we're one with everyone. So being loving, compassionate, and kind with ourselves is being loving, compassionate, and kind with anyone. Then love is our healer. We start to shift those patterns. We start to feel worthy of love. Spiritual practice is the way to feel worthy. But if the ego's driving your spiritual practice, that's not going to do it. So we do our spiritual practice of love, compassion, and gratitude. Doing the spiritual practice of the daily mastery journal, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. Give it a little more time, ten minutes in the morning doesn't take a lot of time believe me once a week spend an hour do work with a forgiveness letter work with one of the other practices in the workbook the more you put in the more you'll get out because it's really about clearing out those negative patterns those attachments It's about being willing to clean up your motivations. So much healing is accomplished by consistently evaluating your motivations. What's your motivation in doing everything that you do all day long? Start to pay attention to that. There's so much encoded into that because If your motivation in eating the ice cream is to self-medicate, is that loving and compassionate? Is that kind? If If your motivation in eating the ice cream is to celebrate, that's a different thing. If your motivation in in eating the ice cream is simply to enjoy the sensual pleasure of it, that's a different thing than eating the ice cream to drown out how you feel. So what's your motivation in going to work? Are you going to get money? That's giving to get. Could you change that around? Could you go to work in order to have people to do your spiritual practice of love and compassion and patience and kindness and gratitude with? That's a different motivation for going to work. 
start to look at what is your motivation for doing anything. It's really an easy, very low-cost spiritual practice. Cleaning up your motivations, examining your motivations, and focusing on your aspirations to be your true self. Start, And then you start to notice, ah, oh, you know, I think my true self really is loving. I remember you, I used to think my true self was mean, ugly, unkind, hurtful. But that was just a belief. It wasn't the truth. All right. Any questions there? Star two to raise your hand or you can type in a question. Sarah says, I am healing. My family is healing and at work I am healing in miraculous ways. Can you speak to the question of physical healing? I have severe scoliosis in my neck and upper back and I'm also overweight. Well, Sarah, uh, if you haven't read Disappearance of the Universe, you might appreciate reading that. So uh, Gary Renard had, um, I think he had scoliosis as well and a curvature of the spine. And he had a lot of pain as a result of it, and that has healed for him. And so all healing is at the level of the mind, including what might seem like impossible healing. So I have had experience of what seemed like impossible healing. So it's not impossible unless you believe it's impossible because it's done unto you as you believe. So all healing is at the level of the mind. And a lot of the painful experiences that people have of illness, it really is the suffering that's caused from the unforgiveness, from the judgment, the resentment. Um, my, my, understanding, my perception, I'll call it that, is that a lot of what cancer is about is unresolved bitterness, and usually from a past life that gets triggered most often by people holding on to bitterness in this life, and that the, the the vibration, if you will, or frequency of bitterness becomes so strong that it manifests as cancer. And then that cancer, the physical manifestation, becomes the method of healing the mind of the bitterness. So some people, when there's cancer, it becomes the way that they heal the bitterness. For some people... The bitterness continues. It strengthens. All healing is at the level of the mind. So we really focus on healing at the level of the mind. And what I have seen over the years is that the average person has the ability to tune in 
and ask their body what's going on. What are you trying to tell me? So I invite you to do that. And so you might decide to uh, have a contemplative meditation where you partner up, you pray, and then you tune in. You ask your own, let's say your physical, excuse me, physical body, what what is the cause of this pain? What is the cause of this illness? And then pay attention to what comes into your awareness. Because if you're sincerely interested in knowing the answer, it will be, I believe it will be revealed to you. Now, many times we don't want to know the answer. Because whatever the opinion, the judgment, the block is, we're not complete with it yet. We've become so identified with the one who is bitter, the one who holds the grudge, the one who holds the judgment, the one who's not good enough, the one who's bad. We've become so identified with that that we are afraid to let that identification go because we don't feel worthy of being our true selves. This is why what I teach is that spiritual practice allows you to feel worthy of God's love. And so that's why what I teach in my classes is to have a very simple spiritual practice that you can consistently do. And it is a profoundly healing spiritual practice to simply be loving, compassionate, generous, kind, patient. These are profoundly deep practices. So in my experience, I have known people who were advanced practitioners of meditation and prayer, studying for many, many years, but they were still very judgmental and they would take offense easily at the drop of a hat and they would blame others and they would lack in compassion and kindness and gratitude. They were giving to get and all of these things, but they had the capacity to meditate deeply and chant and say prayers and all of these things. So to me, then those those people, if they're not healing the judgments, actively healing the judgments, but they're developing all these other ab- abilities to have these kind of surface spiritual practices without taking it deeply into their heart, They're just delaying their waking up and the ego's driving their spiritual practice. So I really appreciate that Gary Renard shares his healing, that he he used to suffer with a lot of pain And, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time with him. And, um, of course, I don't know what he was like because he and I have only been friends for 
since 2007. But <clears throat> I don't experience him as um, being someone who is in physical pain. But he says he used to have a great deal of pain. Ellen says, I've had pangs of loneliness the last couple of days. Does feeling lonely mean that I am having a false belief? My perception is that feeling lonely is a sense of separation. Feeling separate from the connection. And my experience is that the more clear my mind is, the more loving and compassionate I am that I don't feel lonely, even though I'm alone. And just listening here. My experience has been that the more loving and compassionate I am, I'm really feeling tremendous love and connection from the invisible. And so I don't ever feel alone. And this is why what I teach in Finding Freedom and even more so in Masterful Living is that partnering up and to begin to open your mind to, if it's not already there, uh, to experiencing angelic presences, the, the presence of your ancestors and your guardian angels, these beings who are always with you. My experience is, is that each one of us has a tribe of awakened beings who are walking with us and assisting us and guiding us. And we can feel very connected to them if we choose. When we don't feel worthy of God's love, because I remember feeling this so much, thinking, oh, I just keep thinking all these mean, horrible thoughts and the guides and the angels are hearing all those mean, horrible thoughts. They must judge me and think I'm unworthy. But it's never the case. So one of the things on our journey here is to feel worthy of love. And that's why I say over and over again, spiritual practice helps us to feel worthy of love. All right. Um I want to cover one more thing here. Which is to move into a real dedication. A real devotion. It's one of the things 
on the worksheet. So to begin to look for opportunities to be patient, to be kind, to be compassionate. Because if you're really interested in strengthening your heart and mind, you will start to notice that all day long, that everywhere you go, there's an opportunity to be more loving, more patient, more kind, more compassionate, more generous. And generous in all ways. Generous with your time, your kindness, your praise. And so you'll start to notice that there are opportunities throughout your day to go out of your way, to tell the person in the store, in the restaurant, in your workplace, even just on the street, to say to people, hey, we're connected. I appreciate you. So it can be that you're riding in the elevator with a total stranger and you can just look at them and see if you can find something to appreciate about them. Oh, I really like the way you have your hair. It's just, it's about extending love. Not in order to get something, but to practice the extension. So you can do this. You can open your mind to, okay, who in my friends and family network could use some appreciation or who have I not appreciated lately? So this is one of the great things about our Facebook group is in our Facebook group, we are practicing extending love, compassion, kindness. And you see, we're doing, we're learning to do it authentically. And so what, because all minds are joined, we're all one. What we're literally practicing doing is being kind and compassionate and generous with ourselves. And so you can start to just make a decision on a daily basis that you're going to send a text or a message to someone that you know and just say, hey, I was just thinking of that time you you told that story and I love that story. I'm so glad I got to hear you tell it. Or, you know, oh, I was just looking at that plant you gave me three years ago. I want you to know I still love it. Or, hey, I I remember you gave me that scarf and I wore it the other day and the whole day I felt loved by you. Right? Isn't aren't these wonderful things if you're not trying to get something, but you're just ex- learning to extend love, to be a really loving, generous, kind and compassionate person. Then you feel connected all the time. The loneliness dissolves. And it's a way of expressing a devotion, a dedication, an account uh, an uh, accountability and a commitment to love. When people challenge your patience, take a deep breath and say, thank you, God. Oh, I'm going to build some muscle right now, strengthen my patience muscle. Woohoo! Thank you, God, for my opportunity to experience being more loving, compassionate, and patient. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I can remember uh, back in the 90s working in a corporate environment where 
it was not easy at times and people were challenging you know they felt insecure and threatened so they would take it out of me stuff like that would happen and i can remember having conversations all the time with people where i'd be listening to them they'd be talking i'm looking them in the eye and in my mind i'm thinking i don't know how to love you but god knows how to love you and i am willing to let god love you through me god please teach me how to love this person because right now all i'm thinking is make this person shut up and get away from me because they're a stupid freaking idiot but that's not what I'm going to energize. I'm letting those opinions go. I don't need that thought anymore. God, you know how to love them through me. I am love. I am loving them. I'm learning to love them. I'm willing to love them. It just doesn't mean I have to like their behavior. There's a very big difference between loving someone, extending love, and liking their behavior. We can dislike their behavior and still extend love. I have learned that. That is a really good thing to learn. And that's why we have the Loving Our Enemies homework, the Dr. King homework. And I really encourage you to do it and do it the way it's written. So it takes a little effort and sometimes people have to do something they've never done before, get out of their comfort zone. But we're stretching. We're stretching. We're going from being rigid, closed, frightened, to expansive, awakened, enlightened. Right? From frightened to enlightened. Woohoo! <laughs> Finding freedom in our hearts and minds where it's been all along. Thank you, God. Okie doke. Oh, I so appreciate your joining with me in this class. Let us place our hand on our heart and be so grateful and so thankful for the love of God that is our true identity. Love knows how to love through us and as us. We are love. It is our true nature to love without limits. And we are grateful and thankful to declare that this is so, and we are claiming our inheritance. We are claiming our birthright. We are claiming our true identity, and we're sharing the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully allow it to be we accept our healing and we allow it to be and so it is amen amen great questions great sharing i love you thank you 